Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, February 7th, and this is Dave Neal. You're listening to Bachelor Rush Hour. get into it. Last night was week three of Zach Shall Cross's season of The Bachelor. Z- Zach Shall Cross the blue uh, balls. What is it called? The, the, Zach, the ball Zachs. That's right. The blue ball ball Zachs. Quality television on America's broadcast, broadcast channel. We've got a action-packed podcast for you today. I talked with Kate Casey from Reality Life with Kate Casey. She's an unscripted reality TV expert, and we took a deep dive into Zach's season of The Bachelor, where The Bachelor fits in with the other non-scripted dating reality shows. And it's a very interesting conversation. Kate Casey, no stranger to the Bachelor world. I first heard of her when she interviewed Jed Wyatt back in the day. Um, and she's uh, uncovered a lot of very interesting information, not just about what we see on the TV, but um, but the sort of cultural and social issues surrounding the contestants that are on the show. It's a very fascinating conversation that'll be uh, in a few minutes. In last night's episode, Zach uh, sent home Christina, and of course, uh, a few other contestants had almost sort of self-eliminated or said, hey, Zach, I want some reassurance. And he was like, I'm going to reassure you in an Uber on the way back to the airport. So Zach, not taking any prisoners out there. And speaking of former leads not taking any prisoners, we have Rachel Recchia responding to Zach Shell Cross when uh, uh, last week he went on the Almost, Almost Famous podcast, or a few weeks ago, and he discussed how he felt like Rachel was inauthentic in their fantasy suite. Well, here's what Rachel had to say. I'm going to play a quick clip for you, and then if you want more, and it is very interesting, you can go to my YouTube channel and listen to the full uh, YouTube video. It's about a 15 minute long clip I had there, but I want to give you guys the Spark Notes version over here. Do me a favor, follow this podcast, subscribe, like it, leave a comment, rate it and review it, and share it with your friends if you haven't already. We're doing this daily, and I am hustling to earn your support, so I appreciate all the love out there, and without further ado, here's what Rachel had to say on the Almost Famous podcast today. How did you react to that? Did you hear it? It Has he said it in multiple places? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually shocked at kind of the things I have heard, not only what I heard on your podcast and mainly that, but even what I heard night one, all this talk about, I want someone who's authentic on and off camera as if me choosing or feeling stronger feelings for other people somehow made me not authentic. So it seems we have a he said, she said in the racial Recchia Zach Shall Cross world. And we've got other stories. I'll give you a preview because it's hot off the press. Uh, we've got some very interesting stories here with Christina Mandrell, who was voted off last night. She calls out Bachelor editing after Zach Shall Cross sends her home. So I don't know if we knew she was going to call out the editing, but she said, yes, I loved my rose dress from date number one. So much thrilled to see it featured in the middle of the group date again in tonight's episode. So just kind of bringing up the point that not everything is as it seems. Uh, and uh, the edits are all over the place. This is so validating that what I was feeling is real, she says in the confession that Christina claims was from the January 30th episode. So to get that rose tonight means so much to me. Now, of course, these confessionals, they film afterwards, so not a, not a big story in my book, but it's always interesting when we see the contestants kind of fight the edit they got. Obviously, she left last night, and um, there's actually some other stories coming out about her. 
Girl Gone Wild. This is from the U.S. Sun, so take it with a small grain of salt. Bachelor's wild Christina Mandrell hit on the other women during boozy first night on set in scrapped TV scene. So we don't have that scene, but the fact that they're saying it was on camera probably means that there will be no refuting that this happened because the last thing Christina wants to do is say, that never happened, and then they go, well, let's just drop it on our YouTube page. But of course, why the show isn't sharing any more of this drama is beyond me. I say air it out. Another insider told us U.S. son, Christina was the most drunk. And as you'll hear, I talk about this with our friend Kate Casey. And she says, she says the funniest thing of the whole interview. She says, oh, Christina's a mom. She's, uh, she's away, you know, without her kids. Of course, she's going to get drunk. And I don't blame her. Now, if you want to listen to my full, like, play-by-play recap of The Bachelor uh, week three last night, you can find that on my YouTube channel. Otherwise, you know, it was a fun time. He got to one-on-one date with Kate. Katie, and they got to go to the History Museum and, and sleep overnight. I mean, in silk pajamas. If that's not a head start for Katie, I don't know what is. Now, I do want to say something that was brought to my attention. Um, I'm looking it up right now. We got, you know, you know me, I, I always like to get the reviews from you guys. I'm very much willing to listen to any critical reviews. Someone had mentioned try to keep these things under 30 minutes, and we are going to try to do just that. But it was very interesting. Someone said, I like the podcast, but try to stay spoiled spoiler free during the season. Can you please stop sprinkling spoilers into episodes without warning? Now they said this on February 4th. I didn't share a spoiler until February 6th. Why do I say that? Because I didn't know how the season ended until yesterday. So I am sorry uh, that you be- you believe to be spoiled, but I have to tell you, I didn't know the spoiler. So what we have here is a failure of communication. I'm going to ask you to rewrite your re- review with the benefit of the doubt that I'm not spoiling the channel or the show without proper warning. And of course, I'll continue to give you proper warning whenever I do have spoilers. Well, without further ado, I want to share with you guys my conversation with Kate Casey, unscripted reality TV expert. Have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, we're so excited today to talk to Kate Casey from Reality Life with Kate Casey. How are you today? I'm great. So happy to see you. Yeah. You know, I found you actually a couple years ago, I think with it was a Jed Wyatt interview. Um, oh, yeah. A while back, but I love what you do. And you're close by in Orange County. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Newport so, Beach. Now, how did you become, I saw in your bio, you're a mother of five, and you're probably one of the bigger reality TV podcasts out there. How did this all come about? Uh, six years ago, I went to a podcast network and I said, I have an idea for a show. I want to track down people that had been on reality shows to see how it changed the trajectory of their life. So it began by me tracking down people who had been on like the real world. And The Bachelor, actually, my first episode guest was Ashley Iaconetti. And so it kind of began with that. And I structured it like a talk show where I had an opening and a closing and then usually two guests per episode. And it was one episode a week. And then I went to two and now I have four episodes a week. But it's really all under the unscripted umbrella now. So I cover reality shows, documentaries and docuseries. And so I often interview the talent that are featured in any of those, the executive producers, directors, Um, or sometimes I just have somebody who I think is really interesting to help me review something. So I would say it's a love letter to unscripted TV. And I also give people a list every week of what to watch in unscripted television. So it's usually uh, a list of about six, seven options from different genres. So like I'm already working on next week's list, which includes a docu-series about professional golf on Netflix, um, 
I've got a summer house on Bravo. Just um, different genres. So you know, I'm your person that you're like, God, what do I watch this week? That's so valuable because there really is so much content out there. I, you know, I kind of find like I do that during the Christmas season because there's so many Christmas movies that I'm like, avoid this, watch this. Yeah, you, you yes. know, you can't trust whatever Netflix is promoting because you know, things on Netflix will be on the top 10, even if it's garbage, like having, having like a valued curator is so nice to have out there. Now that's it. My, my question, my meta question would be how has the, you you talked about how pot, how, um, how the reality stars have had their lives changed. How has your life changed after having your podcast take off? Not really much. (laughs) Oh, I mean, my day life is pretty the same, same. Um, I mean, I, I get the pleasure of seeing a lot of screeners and in the process, I interview extraordinary people. So I would say my worldview has just expanded. I went to a boarding school for underprivileged children in high school, wow. started by Milton Hershey, the chocolate magnet. And that was like my first experience. I would call it my own real world because I lived with a bunch of strangers and you know, learned more about their lives. And I feel like I carry that with me in the job that I'm an enormously interested, curious person. And I really feel like unscripted TV is the best because it really does help you look through someone else's life through their own lens. So I would say like my worldviews expanded and I've met amazing, interesting people, but my own day-to-day is the same. I'm still at the grocery store and no one cares. <laughs> well, maybe I'll see you out there because I feel the same way, but I agree with the curiosity. It's like a human dynamic is something that there's so many intangibles to discuss between how someone took some, you know, defensiveness and ego and communicating. And yeah. of course the bachelor, you know, puts the, all that in with, um, you know, a little alcohol and lack of sleep. And then, and then they fight over over the man or woman. Um, how, where does the ba- bachelor fit in your ecosystem as far as like how, how, how you cover it versus other shows? Um, I think that I look through the lens. I think we're all cultural anthropologists. I just, I think that that's how we all view television, whether it's movies or unscripted, but I kind of feel like I look at it more in the broad view of like how a show is made, how producers think, how talent copes. I like to look at the full spectrum of what it takes to build a show. And ultimately, I think what makes me a little bit different is I look at how like at the storytelling component, like how good are they telling us the story of the contestants, of the lead um, through the view of the producers? Yeah, we've had a lot of discussion about the past Bachelorette having two Bachelorettes taking away from story because there's only so many hours in the day that they can cover and now they've got multiple people and dozens of dates and this and that. So where do you see the storytelling in Bachelor versus, say, some of the, like the Netflix dating shows? Um, I think that The Bachelor is such, such a part of American television history now. And I think that all the other shows are just like tweaks of The Bachelor. So I think some of sometimes you see those shows come and go. Uh, so I feel like Bachelor sort of set the tone for all the shows. But at the same time, I also think that's the plight of the people who make the show is that how do you keep this show fresh and new and interesting? I wish that some of the other shows that have taken The Bachelor as a template dial back the craziness like milf manor for example that's a little too over the top 
But then at the same time, I think that the bachelor can kind of become antiquated. So there's lots of room for people to make really interesting shows. I think F Boy Island was like a great example of that. Um, that we have a perfect match, which is coming out on Netflix next week. So there are all these little versions of the bachelor in their own way. And in fact, when I interviewed the creator of 90 day fiance on TLC, he told me, we think of our show just like the bachelor, like we're a romance show. So it's kind of interesting how the bachelor has really formed, uh, its own little space that so many people copy. Yeah, yes, yeah, it is very interesting that The Bachelor is sort of a archaic, in some ways, representation of finding love on a dating show because it plays to all its demographic across the political spectrum. Whereas, like Netflix can niche down F Boy, very niche, MILF uh, Manor, very niche yeah. with the streaming services. So, I think, if anything, the show hasn't heightened its drama, but it's become more political, more social commentary uh, related because we're looking at the contestants based on where they come from, their past, their Twitter history and things like that. Like, where do you stand with with sort of um, analyzing um, the like the, the backstory of the contestants while they play out like the, their first time on reality TV? I think it's essential. I think that The Bachelor... Although I, I understand the plight, again, of the people that create the show, that they only have a certain amount of time and they have so many different moving parts to it. But I think it would be better if we learn more of the contestants' previous story. I would say, this would be my advice, is to actually back it up and give us one episode that before we even go to the limo and the mansion, all that, where we explore who they are before they show up. Because I feel like they always choose somebody from the previous cast, something, someone who like pulls on our own heartstrings, but there's so many really cool contestants that get lost in the shuffle and that maybe we would be more inclined to cheer for them if we knew a little bit more about them. And it would also make more sense in context of their conversations with the lead. Like, we would do a better job of screaming at our televisions at home. Like, there's no way those two are going to uh, make it because now I know that this information about them and then you meet The Bachelor. And I just think it makes a more enjoyable experience. It feels very, um, it feels very one-sided right now. Yeah. Like we, we're given this curated version of the lead. And it's like they're standing at a tree looking into the distance. We meet their parents. But I, I need to know more. I'm somebody who needs to know more. And I think that television is moving that way. That the, the pared down basic show can't exist anymore. Where we need to meet their college roommates. I need to know their exes. I need to know the person they worked their first job for. That gives me a much better idea of who the lead is and where they are in their life and who, what kind of partner should be with them. Now, this is why they need to hire you. I think that's a great idea. It's, it'd be like a slice of Americana going to Mississippi, going to the local, you know, where all the, the, the grassroots of where people come from. They started to do that during the pandemic season where they did a little bit of like vlogging while they were in quarantine. Uh, but of course, yeah. it only scratched the surface. This year, they did a little bit of like a watch party reactions where they got to find out who the next Bachelor would be, which was, again, scratching the surface to like a way more interesting storyline but yeah you're right the 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 show really try tries to just present the lead with their story and then we we meet the contestants as as he does but i think yeah you're, i think you're right that especially with social media and everyone already having a lot of content out there that we could get to know each contestant a lot more a lot of other uh, alumni have said the same thing that they're missing the chance to really develop um a, a more personal 
connection with with the contestants while we watch the show play out. Well, also think about it. If you're somebody who quit your job, you spent thousands of dollars on your credit cards to buy outfits for a show, and you're banking on this moment to maybe pivot into some sort of career outside of the accounting office or as a paralegal or whatever it is that you're doing beforehand, you're taking a risk, banking on the opportunity to make enough of a moment that you could change your life. And so I do feel empathy for those that are really interesting captivating people in real life and then they get like three seconds in the real and they can't make anything of it. I do think they have at times cast really interesting people. I think that they've missed the mark on a lot. I do think they were ahead of their time by by getting people to nominate contestants. And I always think they, they should do the same for something like The Real Housewives. Because in The Real Housewives, you're only casting from their small pool of friends. And then Inevitably, the housewife's like, well, I don't want my other friend to be famous like I am, so I'm not going to give you access to anybody in my life. But it would work a lot better if they were able to get people to nominate a housewife. Like, this person's bananas, their group of friends are crazy, or their husband's a riot. And I think The Bachelor was ahead of their time by doing that. I think because of it, you got really cool people, guys that are like, yeah, I, you know, I work at a financial service firm and my mom loves the show, or... You know, I have neighbors and they think I was, you know, perfect for the show. So here I am. I think that's kind of like a cool component because you do certainly get contestants where it's like, I've watched the show since I was six with my mom, but certainly contestants are like, I don't watch television. I don't know what this show is, but I was like, I hate my job, whatever. Let's go for it. Yeah. Almost like a survivor casting, uh, casting submission yeah. video, just like a standard thing that we could all yeah. watch beforehand. I love that. Now let's transition it into Zach season. We've done three episodes. Uh, you mentioned before the storytelling aspect. Do you think the show is shifting the way they're telling Zach's story and how do you think Zach's doing? I think Zach reminds me of old school bachelor days. I think he is like a perfect template for like mold for perfect for molding. I think he seems earnest. He seems sweet. He doesn't sort of lead with this ego. Like you don't get the sense that he's like, I, the minute the show's over, you're going to see me on entertainment tonight. And I think some seasons you're like, oh my God, like let's stop with this charade. Like uh, we know you're not taking this seriously. And I don't know if 100% Zach is taking it seriously, but he's at least selling it to me right now. I want to be sold <laughs> that this is somebody who for three seconds is going to make this girl's like, take this girl seriously. And I feel like they're selling it to me so far. He seems really genuinely looking for somebody, maybe not to be his all, like forever wife, but at least they've dialed it back. At least now the language is, I just want to find a best friend, which is a little bit more realistic. Maybe yes. they get too much shit for that all the time. Like none of these couples work out, but uh, the way that his phrase his phraseology is a little bit more relatable. He seems sweet, and I think that the contestants are far more normal. Although I do remember some of the old contestants of many years ago who were like batshit crazy, and you do need like a couple of them. Um, they still seem like sweet girls and girls. I mean, some of them are probably like twenty eight years old, but you know, you get the feeling that they're also in it to be friends. Like there's only one of them, like Christina Mandrell, the last episode said, like, I just came here to find a guy. I think the experience and former contestants speak to this is that one of the things that comes out of the show is you meet a bunch of friends. 
And I think it's a red flag if someone's like, I'm just here to meet a lead and like find love and forget all of you losers. Yeah, it's, it's almost, almost like somebody going to like college, you know, like I just came here to get a degree. Not my fault if I made no friends. It's like, no, you have no friends. That's weird. That's a red flag. Yeah, I completely agree. My favorite this season is Jess. I think she's like, she was super, she was the sparkly one and had glitter all over and she was like very bubbly and excited. And she brought this like excited energy into the show versus like- Wait, that's the one. That's the one he talked to about his pyloric stenosis, right? I Did you notice he tells the e-commerce girl about the medical condition that apparently, according to all my nurse friends, is like not that big of a deal. So as my friends at Game of Roses Pod would say, using the personal tragedy card, that was the one he pulled out. And it was like the most basic, non-threatening thing. <laughs> and he purposely told the girl that works in e-commerce, which probably means what? She does like Etsy orders? Yeah. Yeah, if that, if she's 22, she's probably like, I mean, like when you, when you look back at being that age, you're like, what was I even doing? I, um, you, you're a yeah. co college graduate is really all you are at that point. Um, yeah, Correct. it's, it's interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I think, yeah, I think the show kind of sets the bar too high expecting happy marriages from, you know, three weeks of dating, but, um, well, you know, what's interesting. I had a friend who was on the show, made it really far, a guy. And I was going to interview him and I asked questions like, what, what do you want me to ask him? And he told me before and he's like, 100%, I think that most of the audience is between 16 and 24. And I was like, you really think so? And he said, watch. So all the questions that I got back were like, what's your astrological sign and do you wear boxers or briefs? Now, if it were an older demographic, it'd be like, do you have an arrest warrant? Do you have a retirement account? <laughs> How many girls have you gotten pregnant? Like, how do you like, do, do you practice a faith? Like all these like really important questions of, that you would ask of somebody that potentially you would want to get married to. Um, but no, there, so I do wonder about the audience. Is it more like moms and daughters watching it together or, or what? I have a lot of moms and their moms. I have grandmothers. Uh, my YouTube channel has, uh, b between the subscribers and the non-subscribers is about a hundred thousand that vary from twenties to seventies, uh, with the majority it's in their, with the majority in their thirties. But I do think social media, uh, commentary and people that want to chat about it online for sure skews, uh, young and Reddit skews very young. So you do have like ideological differences, political differences, social norms, people that are in their forties and fifties saying, Hey, Times were different, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah. and it's in, it's a, it's almost like a giant Thanksgiving dinner trying to have these conversations because in the end it's, it's like you said before, we are watching, it's, it's one of the only common denominators in our society where people can chat across political and cultural lines and racial lines and have a conversation about, uh, people trying to find love on a TV show. Um, uh, yeah. So it's going to, I feel like they could do a better job of the race discussions. Oh. Like some of those heavy issues, like I you know, it's still kind of like basic conversations but oh, sure i'm talking I, more about the um the the conversations happening off camera and i think they happen off camera because they they have completely botched it on the show yeah yeah the show, yeah. the show, uh, they, they, I, I always talk about them as psychopathic, uh, corporations don't care about <laughs> feelings. They know their bottom dollar and they know their audience. And like, I think you mentioned on the reality Steve podcast, thinking that Christina Mandrell would be a good pick because they know that this is their white Southern girl and they know they're even, oh, she should have her own show. Yeah. She should have her own show. She should have a show on the CMT show, uh, channel, CMT channel called the Mandrell girls. And it should be moments with her mom and her aunts and then her daughter 
We've got two stories on her tomorrow. She's fighting her edit currently, so I don't have a story up yet. And apparently, crew had said that she was so drunk during filming they couldn't even get her to talk right. Um, so, but by the way, you know why? Because she's a mom of a five-year-old and she's on a three-day vacation. She has nothing to do in the house all the time. They have those pool parties and they have to just sit around and just talk. Like, yeah, you'd be drinking too. I hear you. You said it best yourself. That's that's the insight that we're looking for. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You do your podcast, what, twice a week? Um, four that- times a week. Oh, you're up to four, four. times. Look at you. We're yeah. killing it out there. Reality Life with Kate Casey, an unscripted reality TV expert. Please come back anytime. I, I love talking oh, with you. But you're going to come on mine too. Absolutely. Would love that. And I've got shows coming up in Orange County, so I'll have to let you know. Come, for, come. come to a stand-up show. I will. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Check out Reality Life with Kate Casey wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm very much looking forward to talking to her on her channel. Oh, you know, podcasting, isn't it so much fun? It's like kids in a sandbox here just discussing our Daily Bachelor and other reality TV shows. And as she mentioned, there's going to be a new show on Netflix um, that's going to be sort of like their dating reality show that takes place on a beach like Bachelor in Paradise. It actually comes out on Valentine's Day. I don't know how I'm going to have the time to watch it, but I'm going to make sure to recap that for you guys in one form or another. I'll have it on this podcast and also on the YouTube channel. All right, folks. Well, I won't keep you any longer. I've actually got to go chat with the Bachelor Party podcast. I'm going to be um, doing an interview with them. If there's any podcast you want me to be a part of, all you got to do is DM them. Say, hey, you should get Dave Neal on your show. Tell him I'm killing it in the Bachelor uh, Nation News World. Uh, you know, me personally on the Dream Board would be, uh, I think it'd be great to go on Jason Tartik's podcast, Caitlin Bristow, Nick Vial. I'd love to go on even Ashley I's podcast, Almost Famous. Basically anywhere in the Bachelor world, I'm open to chat. So definitely, thanks. thank you guys so much for supporting me and uh, the uh, sort of uh, early launch uh, promotional campaign that we're doing here. Only a few months into the show, it's been amazing that we're getting 3,000 downloads a day and improving every day. Looks like entertainment news um, in the Apple podcast charts in the US of A just climbed two spots to number 19. So we've been as high as number one and we've been in the top 20 of entertainment news. That's all because of you guys, your loyalty, your rating, reviewing, and subscribing. So thank you all so much. I'm going to let you go right now. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Dave Neal. This was Bachelor Rush Hour.